Hello, hello, hello. This is, truth be told, this is Dr. Kyle Dumpert. This is Dr. Walter Aka. Dr. Gary Dennis from the freezing tundra. Houston, of, Texas. Of Houston. Yeah, exactly. It's like 36 <laughs> degrees. Don't listen to him. You He's guys had salty. a big pile up down there, didn't you? Lots of power yeah. outages. Well, because people don't know how to drive when any, any kind of precipitation touches the ground. It's ridiculous. And our guest today is... Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Our guest today uh, is Gabe. Gabriel Pearl. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Gabriel Pearl. So I went to dental school with Gabe. Uh, he was in my class. And he's... Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at today. And uh, we're here to talk about teledentistry. Sure. Um, so I'm general dentist. Uh, yeah, I was in Kyle's class. Remember you, Walter, somewhat. I don't remember you, Gary. I didn't probably... I didn't know too many of the uh, endo uh, residents, but um, so since I did a GPR over at uh, Allegheny General, since uh, the VA didn't let me in. Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I have that same. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I did a GPR uh, for a year and then um, did National Health Service Corps scholarship through two years of dental school and then transitioned to loan payment. So I've been at a community health center um since then i'm um, just working in yeah public health community health so awesome. do, and, and how do you how do you like that practice setting um so i, I you know, it's got its pros and cons you know on the, on the one hand it's nice that i don't have to worry about production and like i don't have to feel like i have to sell treatment and it's funny too when patients um try to accuse me of like over treating or or you know rarely you'll get a patient you're like oh my last dentist you know didn't say any of those so, you know, it doesn't matter to me like whether you get the, the crown <laughs> uh, that or not. so it's nice to be able to not have to worry about that aspect of thing and it, it, um and it's a pretty good you know they've given me a fair amount of autonomy in terms of um doing the procedures i want to do new york's pretty generous in their adult medicaid um, so that was also something I looked at, trying to find a place that I was still able to you know, do some root canal treatment, um, crowns, you know, partial dentures. Um, and so, so yeah, overall, I mean, I obviously trade off some of the you know, benefits, I think, of being able to say, have a say in who gets hired, fired, um, how things go. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I don't have that stress of having to deal with those things as well so now you mentioned uh the uh national health service corps is that the program that after 10 years you get your loans forgiven no that's public service loan forgiveness um, okay so national service corps is pretty similar to um like the military scholarships where you get a stipend not as much but you get a stipend in dental school um, you have to commit to like primary care which is like pediatric i guess public health um uh general dentistry i think those are the the you know specialties the areas that you can practice in um but you get a stipend in dental school and um they pay for all your tuition instruments all that um and then you commit year to year um, for payback similar to the military um so I guess in the military, you you can specialize, um, to my understanding, you get more of a stipend. But, um, so it was a good, I didn't want to commit for all four years because I wasn't sure if I 
wanted to specialize or not. Um, but um, it was nice to be able to have the option to transition into loan repayment um, afterwards, which isn't as, you don't get as much for that because it's after the fact, but it was also um, a good good scenario. Mm-hmm. So do you see yourself staying in that position where you're at? Uh, um, so long actually, term? so I gave notice um, a few weeks ago, I'm going to be going on paternity leave and then uh, Congratulations. We're some, yeah. thanks, uh, we're going to do some traveling too. So I'm going to live, live a little bit of a nomadic life for a bit and then um, figure out somewhere to settle down and figure out, you know, what private practice, academic, uh, I also have a uh, background. My undergrad was in bioinformatics and computer science. And so I've got a lot of interest in um, helping kind of shape how dental software works, how it's made, um, giving that clinical perspective, because I don't think there's a lot being given or considered from like the clinical side of things when they develop mm-hmm. software. Um, so, so currently I do, um, it's kind of, in you know transition to teledentistries i I am doing some consulting from like a clinical perspective um for teledentistry company um as well as doing some teledentistry consults uh, as well not many but um so so yeah i have interest in being more involved in helping some of the software get developed so it works for clinical workflows better than than what there currently is out there all right, now, so before, what exactly is teledentistry? Um, so just jump right I guess so what, what are your like thoughts and understanding? I'm curious to hear before I share my, um, especially well, given 2020. My personal view on teledentistry is that it's completely ridiculous. And, and it's like similar to Smile Direct Club. Okay. All right. Well, as you got to go more depth. How ridiculous. You well, got to go more depth. Explain. All right. So um, when I think of dentistry, I think of um, cleanings, to, you know, keep your teeth clean. I think of decay removal uh, and anything that becomes more advanced. So if you're not actually cleaning a tooth or removing decay, to me, it's not really considered dentistry unless you're doing public dental public health. Okay. So you're doing, you're gathering data is what you're saying. If you're not, if you're gathering data then your dental public, uh, public health, anything or, else with dentistry. Or like setting community guidelines. Okay. You know, other than that, like it's real to me, it's, it's not dentistry. Like I don't even consider orthodontics industry, and they're, oh, they're not even—they're not clean. They're like they're not—they're not like they're just putting some little brackets and movements to you know. They're not yeah. really. Their assistants are doing all the work. Like right, it's, yeah. that is true. That is yeah. true. But I will say for teledentistry, the one I think of that, I'm thinking what telemedicine is, right? Telemedicine is, uh, and I actually had to do uh, this for um, I think it was maybe last summer when um, an assistant got. Uh, got exposed to COVID. So therefore I had to go and go through, I mean, you guys know the whole chain. If you're anywhere near somebody within 10 feet of someone breathing on, you have to go through the whole chain of getting uh, COVID tested. And I had, to, I called my primary care to get the test and she was like, oh, well, I got to do a telemedicine first. And all that consisted of was 
getting online with her face you know facetime or whatever this you know whatever like this and then um telling her my symptoms which were nothing going over all this and then she she had her my uh information in front of her and then she was like okay well come in but the so difference go ahead i said the difference is that when you go to see your primary care physician most of the time they're not doing any procedures on you Right, they're just, and that's what, I, that's what I was getting. Taking the labs, yeah. looking at the, uh, right. reading and the data, and then like giving you some medication. But when you well, go see your dentist, yeah. yeah, they're actually performing procedures on you. Well, so that's what I was getting at, Gary. Was like basically to me, teledentistry is just consultations, right? The only difference is I, what I find to be difficult would be you would need to have X-rays, and then we would need to be able to see inside the patient's mouth. And that's the part that I think teledentistry would kind of fall short because dentistry, we actually have to get hands on. So tell me, like, Probing, if I'm wrong. Yes, uh, exactly. Clinical exactly. testing. Like right. All, all and that's why I don't understand how teledentistry could exist because of the fact that we have to do uh, the hands on part with our consultation. We're like, we only have subjective findings. There's no radiographic, right. no objective clinical. Like, there's like two thirds of the data is missing. And that's why Gabe is here. So yeah. he's going to educate what, us and let us know. What about you? What, what about you, Kyle? So my, uh, my first experience with teledentistry was, again, when the, the pandemic hit and the consulting company that I work with uh, or hire, they started to really push teledentistry. And I was trying to figure out how to incorporate this technology into the practice because I've added a bunch of other different technology companies, Dental Intel and uh, and others that uh, I, I tried paperless forms, iPads, that, that kind of thing. I have an older population, so that didn't work. And when it came to teledentistry, I, I think it came down to uh, one, it, it, I, I see the benefit when it comes to consults because in a, a small town, um, or in a big city, rather, if you have a, a question or a concern, like you would a physician, you can get online, schedule a, an appointment, a telemedicine appointment, and it's a little bit easier to get that appointment taken care of where you're not taking up expensive chair time. You can set aside, you know, maybe in the afternoon or or delegate that responsibility out to somebody else, have it recorded that you could answer it whenever is more convenient for you. So I understood that aspect of it. Uh, and as telemedicine grew, and I saw that specifically the elderly population was able to log into their iPads or, or whatever and use that technology, it started to make a little bit more sense to me. But that's a, a very small portion of my patients that I could actually accomplish anything with uh, because rarely does somebody come in and tell me exactly what tooth is the issue. This is, uh, just give me an antibiotic right now and we'll get everything scheduled. Usually there's, like Gary said, there's a lot of testing involved. There's x-rays involved to figure out what the actual problem is. And that's the part I also struggle with, with, with teledentistry. Um, the other exposure I had to it was I, I use uh, ClearCorrect for orthodontics, and they came out with a program that you can virtually track uh, 
tooth movement. So it's an app the patient downloads as they're wearing the trays. They hold their cell phone up and they uh, follow the app's uh, instructions on scanning their own teeth. And they don't have to come in for those monthly visits because the everything is being tracked virtually. So those two uh, consultations and orthodontics I, I see as uh, potential, but uh, those are the limitations I see, and that's kind of where I'm stuck and haven't implemented any form of teledentistry in the practice. And then yep. also in Texas, um, they weren't paying for uh, teledentistry. Mm-hmm. That was so, another thing, too. Well, yeah, Texas is actually the illegal, Wild Wild West. Think, to the last, uh, um, sorry, and I have something down uh, that I've got jotted down that I'd be interested in discussing about Texas. And I think there's a couple other states where it's technically not. Um, legal um at least um according to the the dental act but but yeah so i mean teledentistry uh, it's kind of weird because you know i think teledentistry is kind of an odd term um and i i effectively i don't know that it'll be around so long being referred to as as teledentistry because i mean you think about friendships we don't talk about like telefriendships or like telesocializing to to uh refer to like facebook or texting and so really i think it's just a part of like dentistry, doing dentistry. Um, a lot of it does, you know, a lot of dentistry does happen in your, and has to happen in your dental chair. Um, but there's, um, but there's a lot of, you know, quote, hotel dentistry that's, um, you know, that we already do handle over the phone that we could do over video. And that's kind of what people think, you know, a lot when they hear teledentistry is, is video, which I think has a lot of limitations. Um, um, but there's also, you know, messaging patients, having, you know, having them send you a photo to assess things. Um, and then there, technically it does, you know, under teledentistry, there's also like connected devices and like patient education and stuff. There's a few different like modalities that they um, have defined. But so really, I think it's just part of dentistry in general, and it's going to become more that way um, in the next few years. But I think it's just another tool in the toolbox. Um, there were done a few things that, you know, cause I, I had a lot of these same kind of concerns and, um, kind of misunderstandings or, or yeah, overall concerns about teledentistry. Um, and I think one of the big ones is that it's replacing an in-office visit. And so, you know, when you're thinking about teledentistry as, as a dentist, you think about a lot of the things that you do, you know, I can't, I can't drill a tooth. I can't put a filling in. I can't extract a tooth. I can't measure perio or vitality test. Um, over the phone or, or over video. Um, but you're, you're really not necessarily trying to replace a visit. In some instances, you are going to replace like a, a follow-up that you really may not need to have in the office. Um, other times, it'll help you realize when a visit is needed that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise. You know, if somebody's has some swelling, um, everybody's uh, way of describing their swelling is different or their symptoms. Um, and so if you get a photo and you see, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's something you either need to come to the office like right away, or we need to send you to the oral surgeon. Um, but a lot of times it's just going to help you schedule more efficiently. Um, you know, whether you're going to now schedule 15 minutes to smooth off a chip versus an hour to, to, uh, do, to do a crown prep. Um, I think the other concern people have is that it's limited in what you can do. Um, and it, it, again, it's really not about like performing treatment over the phone or over video, but a lot of what we do as dentists is, you know, does involve triaging, 
um, kind of assessing severity, uh, treatment planning, um, resolving concerns of patients, um, building connections with patients, um, and a lot of that you can do in the teledentistry setting, you know, regardless of what modality. Um, another concern, you know, that people had is like the liability. You know, I talked to a lot of dentists about it, kind of understanding their workflow and answering their questions. Um, and one thing that they ask a lot is like, well, what, you know, what if, you know, what if I miss something on a photo, um, which is kind of an interesting concern because, you know, I think we're a lot more liable for all the radiographs that we take. And, and it's the same thing, like you may miss stuff on a radiograph, but you right. just kind of have to adapt to trying to be comprehensive in, in evaluating things. Um, and then I think what the, the main other one is just like the reimbursement side of things. Like on the one hand, it's interesting because dentists complain a lot about not being paid for our time outside of a visit. Um, and, you know, rightfully so, you know, want to be reimbursed for all the work that you do outside of just doing these billable procedures. Um, but then there, you know, especially with this last year, there's a lot of complaints about this kind of rush for a lot of people to, you know, bill for a phone call where they send an antibiotic when they were already doing that anyway. And so I think there's some valid kind of concern about, you know, trying not to just like nickel and dime your patients. So um, wait a minute, you but, said that, that dentists were billing patients for a phone call? Well, that's teledentistry, telemedicine. So, so okay. I think that's one of the perceptions of like on these Facebook groups is, you know, as soon as the, you know, COVID hit and there's a lockdown and there's this push, you know, maybe by consulting companies or uh, by other people to like, oh, now you need to do teledentistry. Like you okay. call somebody and talk to them for a few minutes instead of the antibiotic, like you need to bill them for that, which, you know, again, it's not always about necessarily making more production. Sometimes it just is about treating the patient better and maybe not bringing them in every time you need to see them in the office. And, and that's what I, I build out one teledentistry code uh, throughout the whole pandemic. And I read the rules from the insurance company because the insurance company sent an email saying they were going to start reimbursing for it. Uh, yeah, right. they, wa they, they wanted documentation. So whether it's a photo, a recorded video call, uh, something along those lines. So I, there was an emergency. The patient, I said, text me your picture. Uh, they sent the picture to me. I added it to their chart. I'm talking to the patient and sent it out as a teledentistry code. And I did get paid for it. I don't remember how much it was some oh. small amount, but it counted most insurance companies in my area. Anyway, I think it's the same national, but they cover two exams a year. And that oh, teledentistry code burned one of their exam codes or one of their exam allowances. And when I, whenever I saw that, I instantly felt really bad because now this patient's going to be upset where when they come in for their six month checkup and, uh, you know, one of them's not going to be covered now and they're going to have to pay out of pocket. And, Oh, Dr. Dumpert charged me for that text message that I sent him. Uh, <laughs> and in a small town that, uh, that can get around mm -hmm. quick. So, I mean, my cell phone number's on my answering machine. Patients can call me anytime, day or night. They, they know how to get a hold of me. And unless insurance companies start reimbursing for that separate outside those two exams, uh, I look at it as x-rays. Uh, whenever x-rays first came about, insurance companies didn't pay for them. Dentists really didn't have them in their office. But once insurance companies started to reimburse for x-rays, 
all the dentists got x-ray equipment in their office and started billing out for it. So I think a barrier is that insurance. I don't know if you're going to have a lot of happy patients paying out of pocket for a text message or phone call or video chat with the doctor unless that's a, an added value they're getting out of their insurance. Yeah, Can you, um, go, ahead, go ahead, Walter. No, no, please, please, please. So I was going to say, I think I've read through, because the ADA has um, a sheet that goes over a lot of insurances of like what they do cover and, and don't cover and the limitations. Um, I don't know the specifics, but I, I'd be curious as to whether that, you know, whether they lump all exams in or I thought a lot of insurances um, had an allowance for limited exams and then had allowance for um, like periodic or comprehensive exams. And I would hope that they um, would count that as one of the limiteds. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there is some like you got to inform the patient, give them a heads up. Um, and but I think that, yeah, one of the silver linings, I guess, of COVID is that there are a lot of insurances that are now reimbursing for it. And I think they'll come to see that it's that it's a win, win, win in, in some situations where like if they can get patients to the dentist when it's cavity um, because maybe they've got dental anxiety or, or they don't feel like it's something that's it important enough. Um, but if they can get the patient to the dentist when it's a cavity um, and you can do a filling instead of, you know, you know when, before it's a root canal or a crown and like, that's a better service for the patient. Um, and hopefully that's something that dentists are on board with too. Um, and, and less expenditure for insurance. So, um, so I think it's getting there, um, but there's probably still a, a large ways to go. So I guess I'm kind of confused still. Um, and I, in my mind, in my mind, I'm still thinking telemedicine, which is get on, get on a call or a phone or whatever and tell your dentist what the problem is, right? But you're saying it's more like a, a all-encompassing, all hey, I'm just hanging out, uh, there's a problem, I call my dentist and I get put on the schedule to go to the office? Is that what so, we're going? I mean, technically, teledentistry would be yeah, anything that happens outside of being in person with the dentist. Um, so there's a bunch of different, and that's, I think one of the interesting things about teledentistry is that um, when, when somebody brings it up, yeah, you think of like direct to consumer orthodontics, or you think of people just like billing for, you know, a phone call to send a pre prescription for an antibiotic, but there's so much, you know, encompassed in that. So there is the direct to consumer, like, you know, specifically orthodontics, or I actually listened to a, a CE the other week that was like, not direct to consumer, but it was like teledentistry partials, which it seemed a little interesting, I guess. Um, there's also, you know, teledentistry where you've okay. got, um, you've got a nursing home or something and you have your hygienist go in and take internal photos, um, and either in real time or, um, asynchronously, you know, the dentist reviews that. And again, maybe you're not catching everything, um, through that visit, but you may, Kind of know where to schedule the patient better so that you're not having him come from the, the nursing home as many times or um or you know going into a school where it's pretty remote you know I'm in upstate new york where we have hygienists that go into the school and um where there's really not many dentists around that participate so that's another modality where you've got um an assistant or a hygienist with a patient and the dentist is off-site 
but there's also, yeah, like messaging, video, photos with patients. And then there's you know, like, you know, technically connected toothbrushes. Like if that's getting forwarded to the dentist, like that would fall under teledentistry. Um, but they break it down between asynchronous, synchronous, and then they've got these two other like remote patient monitor monitoring and mobile health. So like asynchronous is what you think of, you know, what you're thinking of Walter with uh, telemedicine is like okay. you're in a video call and you're talking to the, the provider, they're talking to you. And that's where you, people usually go to and think about. Um, but I think there's a lot of limitations. I think that's probably more useful maybe for specialists if you can front load your consultation and maybe if you have them take some high quality photos and you have your radiographs forwarded from the general dentist. Mm -hmm. um, around here, a lot of the specialists do a consultation first and then they'll bring the patient back for treatment right. and rarely do treatment on the first visit. Um, so that's potentially a way, you know, regardless of how much you're being re reimbursed for consultation, if, if you're able to bring the patient in and go directly to extracting those teeth instead of this extra appointment, um, I think that may help overall efficiency production and also be a service to the patient. Uh, but then there's asynchronous, which is not in real time. And I think there's a lot of um, maybe a lot more benefit, especially for a general dentist with that, where, you know, instead of this phone tag with the front desk and the front desk asking how the how big the swelling is, um, you know, they can send you a photo, send you a message, um, and then you're able to re respond back to it in your own time when you've got a cancellation when you finish with an appointment earlier. Um, and I think there's a lot more benefit um, that maybe isn't realized in that. So basically you're saying it's more uh, triage. I think you already said that, matter of fact. Uh, yeah, so triage or, or following up. Um, mm -hmm. I've got a bunch of like different use cases here um, that we can kind of go through and I'm curious to ask you guys some questions about certain things that as I've thought through, I'm like, oh yeah, that definitely would be something that I didn't need to bring the patient in for. Um, but one of the things that I, as I got introduced to teledentistry and thought about it more, um, that was interesting is that it's such a big space and it's easy to think of it as like, you're com competing for the same slice of the pie, you know, uh, especially with this direct to consumer orthodontics. But I feel like, um, in some ways you're actually bringing another pie to the table. You're, you're increasing your access to patients. You might be able to attract more patients that, you know, if you had a link on your website where they were, were able to take some photos and kind of get your thoughts before they came in for a new patient exam. And maybe you were able to ask them if they wanted to start treatment on something that you saw and you were better able to schedule that. Um, so I think that instead of just kind of cutting up, um, competing for the same patients, it, it does increase access and um, maybe brings more to the table overall. It's interesting you you, you mentioned uh, one thing in there that said that uh, about um, getting a photograph and or an x-ray prior to the patient coming in. I From mm -hmm. all of my referring dentists, I always ask for them to send the most recent x-ray of the two. Um, so I should be charging them for teledentistry. <laughs> well, that, there, there technically is a code for like consulting with another provider. Um, but this would be like, Oh, the patient isn't sending you the photo or that the radiograph. 
Um, so I don't know that you'd be able to yeah, build the other provider for that. But no, I, I, I see the that. I see the benefit there. Definitely, whenever I send patients to a specialist, the oral surgeon, the periodontist, there is that initial consult appointment. The the endodontist, uh, sometimes he does same day treatment. Sometimes sometimes it's just a referral to or a uh, consultation to bring him back, and especially for oral surgery because it's a, a six month wait to get somebody in to see the oral surgeon. Uh, the patients are a little uh, upset that the first time they go in. It's just a consultation, so they're still not getting that treatment done, and they have to go back again. Uh, so if there was better communication, better technology available for me to get all of those records that the oral surgeon needs or any other specialist, as long as that specialist trusts my records and trusts my probing depths, trusts my x-rays, uh, trusts my vitality tests and everything, but... I think there's a legality issue there also, especially if I'm referring to Gary uh, and I say, you know, patients having pain with number 19 and I, these are the, the results of my tests. And if Gary doesn't do his own testing and does a root canal on number 19 and turns out it's 18, now him and I are both liable for treating the wrong tooth because I just well, misdiagnosed and he trusted my misdiagnosis. Well, that would be negligence on my part. Right, right. You should never right. trust someone else's testing if you're the one. Well, but that's what this is. That's what he's saying is that uh, in the end, there has to be some kind of level of trust. If it's not you and the patient, it's you and the referring doctor. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a level of trust. So Gary's probably never going to do this because he doesn't trust anybody, it sounds like. <laughs> well, I mean, it's CYA. <laughs> right, I mean, exactly. <laughs> but you see what I'm how, saying? There has to be a level many of quality trust. How many quality referrals do you get? Where, like whenever I refer to my endodontist, I try to say, you know, uh, please eval number 19, cold negative, percussion positive. Uh, my diagnosis is necrotic with symptomatic apical periodontitis. I try to give all that information where I, I, I assume you're getting some things like pain. No, I'm right. getting I'm getting root canal. Right. Number 18. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, nothing wow, nothing else. That sounded so good, Kyle. Yeah, I've never heard else. that. I have never <laughs> but, heard anybody give perio and endodontic like uh, uh, diagnosis. Gnosis, That's amazing. Right? Yeah, but, they usually but, just say tooth hurts. Do something about it, and I'm like, oh, good talk. But but <laughs> but like like what you and Walter said. It I mean, it has to do with the, the relationship I have with that dentist. Like, if there's a dentist who, like, every time they send me a case, 99% of the time it is that tooth. That's the one that needs treatment. Uh, it's restorable. Like, you know, all that then, you know, I, I already have that. I always I already trust their ability to diagnose appropriately. But if it's, so I already know it's treatment. But if it's like someone else who I work with in 50% of the time, it's the wrong tooth. Uh, the tooth's not restorable. The tooth is normal. Then I already know, like, this patient came from that doctor. We're going to do a consult first. Yeah, so. I think one of the things when I like it took me a while to wrap my head around teledentistry and like feel comfortable with it. And and still in certain instances, you know, like I'm still not sure what I think about that teledentistry partial thing. Um, but but it's not gonna work in like every situation. And that's one thing, you know, I, I listen to these lectures about um, you know, in California where they had all these hygienists that were like 
doing the cleanings and taking the x-rays and then the, the dentist was remotely doing the exams and i kept thinking like well you're not going to be able to like feel you know this i'm going to miss this right. and that um but then you can always bring the people in you know if there is a question so it's not going to fit for every patient or every situation um and again if you're thinking of teledentistry as something like separate it's harder to like get on board with that but it's really you know in the instances in which it saves you money saves a patient time saves you time saves ppe you know if some instances it'll work really well other instances yeah, you may still be seeing him in the office, but it may give you some more information to be more efficient about your visit. Other instances, it may, you know, may take more time um, because now they've got a, another way to access you. Um, but I think overall, there is a benefit. Um, it's just about figuring out how it works into your practice um, and treating, treating I patients. I see the benefit for post-op. I see the benefit. Yeah, I see. For, so, well, here's, here's something, Gabe. Um, dentists are... Uh, lazy by nature they barely want to work okay? time out, time out, time out. no 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 me. let me go let me finish what i'm getting at right most dentists ideal and we had this discussion is to work three days three days a week four if you really want to push it right and now what you're telling me is i have to work not only my time where i scheduled at the office now i have to go work outside of the office how is that going to, how are dentists going to like get on board with that? Because now you basically say patients and other dentists have access to you 24 seven. Well, again, it, That's depends be hard on how you, it depends on how you set it up. Like you may not okay. set up something where they can reach you out of, out of hours. Um, right. But on the other hand, like I know you guys were talking about people blowing up your cell phones or like yes. using the cell phone. You know, if you were able to, you know, have somebody you know, not have your cell phone number, but still have a way where they could, you know, contact you and you were able to not get stuck on a phone call with them. Or instead of asking them like, okay, well, how, how big is the swelling? Like what exactly does the tooth look like? Um, like if you get a photo, um, right. I think it'll save you some time. Yeah. There may be some instances in which you might be a bit more accessible. Um, but you'd have to see implementing in your office. Um, but I think one thing that, you know, for the most part, dentistry is like really synchronous. I mean, you're seeing a patient, you have to do dentistry. You have to have a patient in your chair to work on them. If they don't show up or if it's a late cancel um, and they can't put somebody in that schedule, yeah, there's other stuff you can do but not really get paid for or really move the needle on production. But if you've got some of these consultations where maybe you're getting paid for them, maybe you're not, or maybe they just help you schedule patients in for treatment or help new patients keep their appointments more. Um, you know, I think that if you had some of these asynchronous things where, yeah, you got a cancellation or a spot in your schedule, or you just open up a practice so you do have more time. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. If you can start attracting these new patients and doing stuff, kind of fitting it in between, um, I think it could be a more effective use of your time and you can be more productive during your day. So you can maybe work for three days instead of four. You know, I think it would be beneficial if you can find somebody or have somebody in your office that can triage these uh, pictures or emails or whatever, so that you kind of say, okay, well, this is more uh, urgent. So that's going to go to Dr. Dumper. While this might just be uh, a quick discussion or maybe a new patient that needs to come into the schedule. Well, the, Does that well, make sense? The, well, what's the legality of that, though? Right. But I'm, listen, but I'm not doing teledentistry. I'm just putting. You're, you're pretty <laughs> doing this already, right? 
I mean, you don't well, take all the phone calls extent. for emergencies. Right, yeah. right. So, because that, I mean, that's another thing that people say, like, oh, you know, what, what's the legality of this? Or, like, what's the liability? But you're basically having, like, we don't license front desk people, but yet they're sitting on the phone determining whether they can schedule a patient tomorrow with a facial swelling versus, like, yeah. sending them to the emergency room. So, yeah, it's not yeah. a perfect system. In some ways, I think this may help with some of those instances and reduce your liability. Um, but yeah, and it, it depends on how you want to set it up too. You know, some offices, you know, the dentist may want to uh, view things or maybe that's too much. And this is just something that the front desk is, instead of being on the phone and listening to patients tell, talk about how it's like 15 out of 10 pain and like, this is what the tooth looks like. You know, maybe they get a message and they're able to schedule from that. Um, and it could make their lives easier, help you retain staff more. I will say, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Is oh, this gonna... something that is being used with uh, some states allow dental therapists, which they're not, there's not a dentist on site, but the dentist is available, I guess, for consultation. Or, uh, the, the dental therapist can do limited treatments, uh, fillings, and uh, other types of easy extractions. Is this something that those states are using teledentistry for to maybe enhance that um, that communication between an off-site dentist and an on-site dental therapist or uh, expanded function dental assistant, something along those lines? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know the specifics because I know like Alaska has dental therapists and then right. is it Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I don't know and whether those Dakota's do need oversight or, or not. But I mean, I sure it could and maybe whether that allays some of the concerns of like organized dentistry, I, I kind of doubt it. Um, but, but yeah. What yeah, about, sure. what about security? Cause I keep thinking someone's hacking into the system, right? Um, no, seriously, every time I, yeah. I hear this, I'm thinking someone's hacking into the system. I mean, you know, how do you make sure that we keep track of patients like personal information, right? Cause that, that uh, HIPAA fine is no joke. That is a well, big <laughs> fine. And, in general, I'm just talking about like just in general, like if, if it's an app, how do we make sure that it doesn't fall into someone's hand and someone isn't like, you know, sending the wrong information to the dentist or whatever it may be, you know, like my, my daughter is on my phone looking at YouTube kids or something and pushes the wrong button or something. How do you make sure that we keep all those security systems in check? Yeah, I mean, I, certainly. Oh, without, I'm sorry, without, uh, excuse me, without being annoying to the dentist, like, for example, the uh, e-prescription, it's incredibly <laughs> annoying, right? We know this. No, for all you guys left, but the e-prescription <laughs> is incredibly annoying. I so how do we make sure that we can use it? And it's not fine with e me. Oh, get, Kyle, be quiet. <laughs> I don't use it. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, so please talk about like security and, 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 and how do we make sure the ease of use yeah, I, I don't know the, you know, the, the back, you know, the ins and outs of HIPAA. Yeah. Um, but I do know, like, I mean, it's possible there's there are better and, and worse, you know, because like, telemedicine is doing this type, type of stuff, obviously, or medicine in general, not even just yeah. telemedicine, but, you know, being able to contact your doctor, ask for refills and stuff. And, and some of them are easier to use as a, as a patient. Um, some of them are harder. Um, I think that if you consider, because there are a lot of dentists that are, you know, doing quote unquote teledentistry now. I mean, I don't know if you guys, do you guys ever have anybody text you photos or um, text you about? All the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on the, 
on the one hand, you're already doing teledentistry and it's a pretty, you know, un, you know, it's not HIPAA compliant. And then you're also not documenting if you're, you know, want to talk about liability, you're not documenting those Everything. text messages probably. And if you are, you know, I heard somebody the other day saying like, well, I, you know, sometimes I try to take screenshots of it. Well, technically you're taking screenshots if you have an iPhone and you're syncing to the cloud. I mean, there's another like non-HIPAA <laughs> compliant right. um, hole right. in it. So yeah, I don't know the ins and outs. Um, I know it's possible and that's kind of, you know, my interest as both somebody with a background in computer science and a clinician is like figuring out how to make software work easier because um, that's not really, doesn't seem to be top of the priority list on, on a lot of the EHR. Um, can I just say, if, if you could find a, a, an app or a program that allows us to, the second I open it with a patient, it automatically gets like um, uh, um, transcribed or whatever into my, uh, my, my uh, office. So that basically whatever I'm talking to or saying with the patient is also getting uh, uh, sent over to the office. I think that would be incredible because so, then I don't have to double I don't have to go back and double dip. You know what I mean? I don't have to go back. Oh, and you're write saying when you're note. calling a patient? Yeah, if I'm calling a patient or whatever using this app, it automatically gets sent over. So now there's a record on that patient's chart. I think that would be incredible. So there, there kind of is. Like, okay. I don't know if you, well, for endodontic software, there, there is like TDO. Okay. TDO is, is like on the cloud, right? So like you can look into patient's chart anywhere. You can send anything to any other dentist anywhere okay. uh, with that system. Uh, so there is kind of, right. I mean, but I'm, I'm talking about like, if you're the patient and I'm talking to you, whatever I'm saying to you after I'm done talking to you, it's done recording. It's sent to your chart. I think that'd be cool. Free. Like transcribes it or sends it to the chart. So now there's an audio. So there's basically no issues. If a patient said, oh, you never said that, you have proof that you said that. Does that well, make sense? That's the same problem the we benefits. have now, isn't it? Like if we're doing an in-person exam on somebody, it it can come back to he said this, she said that, especially well, if you, things go wrong. Our, our right. actual consultations in the operatory aren't being recorded. Well, but there's always an assistant there. So you have, kind of have a backup, right? That's why I never okay. do anything without okay. somebody else yeah, in the room. That's true. You see what I mean? So, yeah. I think with you entry, if, you're, if you're able to handle some of these via like messages, via... Um, a photo. The nice thing about that is, you know, if the software is done right, right, you can just import that, you know, or preferably not even need to import it. But like you already have everything that went right. back and forth a photo. Right. Um, and so hopefully that would reduce some of that burden because you're hopefully on the phone less um, talking to these patients. Um, but I, I put down a few few of the I mean, there's a lot of uses in each time I kind of think about it. Sometimes I'll uncover other different uses that I haven't thought of before. But I think overall, like the goal, you know, there's a lot of goals. It's decreasing non-billable visits. You know, generally you're not charging for a follow-up visit. Um, sometimes you have to have them in person uh, because you're taking out sutures or really do want to see what something looks like. Other times it's just to make sure the patient's all right. Um, increasing productivity, um, whether that means you're seeing more patients or you're being more efficient or productive during that visit um, or better able to schedule how long that visit should be. You know, I think you can improve patient care with it. Um, certainly improve the, the patient experience um, and then also increase access to care depending on, you know, what, 
which of these modalities you're talking about. You know, I focus more like what dentists are using, you know, direct to their patients. I haven't delved into as much like the hygienist in a nursing home or um, that type of thing. But, um, but yeah, you know, for follow-ups, if you can conduct a follow-up with a message, uh, with the option for the patient to attach a photo instead of bringing them into the office, um, like triaging patients, if you had a link on your website or something that you could send to the patient, you know, if they did have a concern, um, maybe they don't need a visit or you're better able to schedule, again, you know, whether it's 15, 20 minutes to smooth off a chip or an hour to, to prep a crown. Um, for new patients too, I don't, you know, I think this is probably a product of my generation um, and me being an introvert, but I don't really like cold calling an office, you know, <laughs> trying to talk to the front desk, um, setting up an appointment. So if you had a way where you were able to attract patients, get, you know, get some photos maybe, get them to start the paperwork. Maybe you can give them, you know, some thoughts at a time, see if they, you know, whether it looks like they need treatment, whether they're open to starting treatment that first day, whether you want to schedule with a dentist or the hygienist first, get them bought into the, the practice, that relationship ahead of time. You know, I think that would decrease no-show rates. Um, maybe reactivating patients, you know, if you have an issue of patients that are, you know, overdue, not coming back, um, and if you have a hygienist with some free time, if they, if you're able to reach out to some of these patients, you know, touch base with them, have them take a photo of their gum line, maybe the linguals of the mandibular anteriors, have the hygienist kind of annotate some stuff, kind of help the patient realize why they should be in your office, um, while also using, again, their time that they may not have been doing anything, um, following up with severe facial swelling after extraction, endo, or if you didn't do any treatment, but you just sent a, a prescription for an antibiotic, I mean, how how do you follow up with that currently? Do you have a front desk call? Do you call? Is it easy to really assess how things are looking um, just over the phone or you bring it back in? Um, one thing for, I think for Peridots in particular, um, that I think I would be interested in is it, if you were able to send a message to or schedule a message to be sent to a patient six months after an implant was placed or like a year after a CT graft. Um, again, you're probably not going to bring the patient in just to see what the crown looks like or to see what their graft looks like a year down the road. But I think it'd be interesting to be able to kind of add that personal touch that, you, you know, you're still kind of connecting to the patient, um, but also see what your work looks like and learn from that. Um, you know, to be honest with you, and with speaking of that, I, what I would actually do wouldn't be to send to the patient, but I would send a reminder to the general dentist to make sure the patient is on a three-month recall for the first year, just based on literature, right, that says, yeah. hey, the first year is like usually the critical time. Get them on every three months to see how that, you know, that implant looks, um, you know, how that soft tissue looks, you know, do we have any issues so we can take care of, check occlusion. So maybe like a, an automatic send to the referring dentist, that's more beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because then we can keep track of that and then maybe the referring dentist could take a picture and send that to me. Right? So yeah. that that actually would be more beneficial than to the patient. Patients to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, my, the implant's fine, I love it. But the dentist can actually do more clinical evaluation for me than anything else. I think it's kind of a similar issue. I was thinking the other day we were talking to an endodontist, but I mean, I don't know, Gary, how often do you have patients telling you that their cavity has fallen out or that, you know, 
it's two, three months down the road and they never went back to the general dentist. Like if you could automate something to be sent, you know, three weeks after the appointment, say, hey, just make sure you, you know, got in touch with your dentist to get the final restoration of the crown or whatnot. Um, or if you were able to tell them, no, your cabinet is still in there, it's just kind of wearing away uh, without, I don't know, guessing over the phone or uh, bringing it back in. Yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> um, I was going to say that, um, you know, I, when I came into this this podcast today, I really thought that teledentistry was absolutely absurd. But after you have explained <laughs> the application of teledentistry, I actually do see a benefit to it. So this good is job. a breakthrough. This is a breakthrough. Thanks. You've done something that I don't think anybody has been able to do. <laughs> <laughs> it usually takes a few years, but get Gary to admit to changing his mind about something. You, sir, have done wonderful. Come on anytime Thanks. you want. Anytime Thanks. you want. You can come back to the podcast anytime you want. So I did have some questions for you guys, like your follow-ups. How often do you guys do follow-ups and are, are there instances in which you are bringing them back you don't have to do anything um but it's just more and that differs from dentist to dentist i know yeah I've got one friend who is a periodontist he brings every patient back for a follow-up right um, and then others don't so um oh, go ahead walter sorry so for surgeries um if it was a big case if it was just like okay suture removal i can i trust that the general dentist will do the suture removal that's not a big deal, you know? And then like, so for example, if it was like an implant that I placed, I put the suit, the tissue back, it, all I, they need to do is just remove the suture. I just basically say, hey, can you take the suture out? Most general dentists or referring doctors have no problems with that at all. If they do, I mean, it takes like two seconds. I look at that area and then that's it, right? I bring them back a month later just to see how they're doing and if there's any issues at all, you know? Uh, patients have direct access to me meaning through my cell phone and they, they use, usually call or text me. And so I'm getting text messages or calls throughout the day. You know, hey, Dr. Alk, is this normal? What's going on? And as they describe it to me, and again, this is probably when telemedicine, now that I understand it a little bit better, would come in handy as they describe it to me or send me pictures, then I'm actually able to tell them, don't worry about it or you need to come back in to see me so I can figure out what's going on. Uh, as for me, like I keep my uh, all my uh, treatments are supposed are supposed to be on a year recall, mm -hmm. uh, but I go to twelve different offices, so I leave that up to the office to um, get that arranged. Uh, and and like you don't they don't have my schedule from a year from now. So like some patients do probably fall through the cracks. If it was my own office, then you know I'd have my front desk staff make sure that all those people were getting called every year mm -hmm. uh, to check that but other than that the only time i will ever see a patient before then is if there is some issue that's not resolving a lot of time like the occlusion's high on the crown or Open they're having cold head. sensitivity from another tooth and it's not the same tooth um but yeah just uh if there's like some unresolved issue the patient needs to come back um what do you this may be more for you, Gary and Kyle. So for patients with acute abscesses, like severe swelling, what kind of follow-up, whether you're treating them or putting them on an antibiotic, um, 
because it's always something like I see him on like, you know, I saw one on Friday um, and he like lived quite a ways away and, you know, it just wasn't going to happen that he was going to get to the emergent or the oral surgeon and probably wasn't going to be going to go to the emergency room. So I sent him clinomycin um, and you just kind of hope that it resolves. Uh, but Kyle, do you do any sort of follow up? Um, if it's on a weekend, uh, if somebody calls me Friday when I'm out of the office with a with an acute swelling uh, that I that is a patient of record, I will send them in the antibiotic and I will tell them, call the office Monday morning. We'll get you in, figure out what's going on with you. And then whenever I get, I make a little note in my phone who it is and I'll leave them. I'll tell the front desk, reach out to this patient, make sure they're following up. Uh, If it's something where they're in the office and I'm doing the extraction or the root canal and it's something that I'm concerned about, all my extraction, Pre-COVID, all my extractions, no matter how small, I put stitches in everybody for any extraction. Uh, I always had a a one-week post-op for any extraction. Most of the time, I'm not even seeing those patients. That's something I'm delegating out to the the dental assistant. Quick, you know, five-minute check, peek your head in, everything's doing great. And uh, most of the time, I don't have to. So so there is a follow-up that I do, but it's a little bit easier because it's, well, you know, they're used to coming into the general dentist office. Uh, so I, I can handle that stuff. Are you still doing those follow-ups now? You're using resorbable sutures? Yes. Yeah. So my, I, I'm not scheduling the, the one-week follow-ups anymore to try and limit that patient time in the office. Now, I, I let them know if you're if at any point you think there is a problem, something's continuing to bother you, stitches aren't coming out for whatever reason, which is never the case because they're resorbable, uh, mainly lingering pain, infection, if anything feels sharp, if a little bone chip or something's coming out, uh, give me a call anytime. We'll, you know, I'll get you back in to look at it. So because of COVID, those follow-ups aren't happening quite as much. Yeah, I think that's an instance where like um, teledentistry, you know, or just using some other way to communicate with the patient uh, where you can, because even though you weren't seeing those patients, you were using PPE, you know, right. chairs were occupied, assistance. And so, yeah, maybe you're not, maybe you're just sending them a message to reach out say, hey, if you do need me, you know, let me know here. If you have concerns, you can snap a photo. Or maybe you do it more like, yeah, I do want to follow up in, in a week. Um, I guess you can assume if they don't respond, then you're good. Um, but they do. So I think it's in a lot of instances, it's a way that you're not, not producing more, maybe you're saving some money, um, but you also are potentially adding another level level of like customer service, patient experience um, that isn't costing you much in or in some instances anything in time. Um, there's also like uh, you know this is probably more of you, Kyle, but um, you know how many times do you see do you get a call or you see on the schedule it's a, a ten or eleven year old that you know, quote, quote, broke off their tooth, but a root's still in there. Um, probably 50, 75% of the time, it's just the normal exfoliation. It's the adult tooth. Um, or, you know, I, I bring denture patients back, you know, routine, a week after insertion. But there's a portion of those times in which they come in, they sit down, they say, everything feels great. You know, this is not their first set of dentures. So they kind of know. Um, and so sometimes I don't even 
take a look. See, um, there, there, there's an easy fix to those denture patient adjustments is you just don't do dentures. So I, I don't do dentures, so I don't have to worry about adjustments. <laughs> don't ever ask Kyle for consultation. <laughs> He's so, very useless to you. So I think benefits wise, you know, it's HIPAA compliant. You know, it's easier, you know, if it's done right to document um, your capturing records that you probably should be capturing now. Um, but aren't. it reduces some of the back and forth with the front desk. I and mean, some people, you know, they want to talk to the patient themselves. Um, but if you're, you know, there's a lot of times the front desk takes a message and then you want to know, well, you know, is there swelling or are they taking the medications? And then like you either have to call them or the front desk calls them and asks the questions and then it relays you the message. And um, I think it can give them a better patient experience, um, better access to the dentist, it can reduce some non-billable visits. Um, I think it saves the, the patient, you know, a lot of time driving, time off work, childcare issues, especially with like COVID, you know, these restrictions of you know, not bringing more people to the appointment. Um, I think those are, you know, more top of mind. It's harder to figure out how to get in to have a follow-up, especially if they're not going to do anything and you've got kids at home that typically weren't at home because now they're home you know, virtual learning. Um, it's going to give you some more information after hours for emergencies, hopefully help the front desk better schedule emergencies, give you some work that you can do in free time that maybe you weren't able to be productive at all. Um, and then I think it also hopefully would help, you know, help the front desk job be a little easier in terms of onboarding new patients and being on the phone automating some of those like triage questions, getting patient information, if you can have that in like a survey or a form or something that the patient's filling out on their own time. Um, but there's also a lot of limitations, you know, you, you know, you're not gonna be able to assess everything. You're not gonna have radiographs, you know, a lot of these patients, unless you already have it. Um, and you may just have to bring the patient back into the office. And that's not like necessarily a failure of, of teledentistry. Um, it's going to work really well in some instances. It's you know not going to work in other instances, but you still have what you're already doing um, to use in those uh, instances. Um, it's going to be limited by the user friendliness of the technology, especially with like less tech savvy patients. Um, limited by what insurance we're going to reimburse, but that's hopefully changing. You know, going in the right direction. Um, you're limited by the quality of photos. Um, but I think one of the, I, I tested out an intraoral camera that we have in the office uh, a few weeks ago um, versus just like my iPhone. Um, and the iPhone blew away, you know, I, I was able to capture in one photo what I would have taken a lot of photos intraorally uh, with better quality. So one of the advantages of, of if you're using, you know, photos that the patient takes is you've got these trillion dollar companies that are like working on improving your cameras, you know, your the equipment, you know, quote, quote, that you're using with patients. Um, and so it's nice to kind of reap those benefits because you can take some really good photos, but again, it depends on how, you know, limited by the patient's ability. Um, and, you know, I think, I think there are also all also just trade-offs in, you know, what you're going to be able to assess, especially in some of these models where if you're having like a hygienist go into schools or a nursing home, you know, I still have concerns about 
I'm a perfectionist, and so I really try to be thorough on exams. And I also see some pretty complex mouths. And so you, you're going to be limited by how good that hygienist is. You're not going to be able to see or feel as much if you're, again, if you're using that type of model. Um, but I think in some instances, you know, you could make an argument that that's a worthwhile trade-off if the alternative is, you know, if you're really in a remote area where these kids just aren't going to be at a dentist otherwise, or that these nursing home patients wouldn't. Um, so I think in some instances, you know, to be honest, it, there are going to be some trade-offs um, on certain modalities. Um, but you also have to, I think as dentists, we kind of just focus on like clinical perfection and we don't necessarily think about the trade-offs in terms of like driving time and time off work and whether the patient's going to be seen otherwise. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I think you have to see a more holistic picture, but that is still a concern you know, that I have in, in certain instances. Um, and then you're also going to be limited by laws, which, which is, I wanted to yeah ask about Texas because I, I did some searching because uh, I'd heard that it was, illegal in Texas or not legal in Texas. Um, so this, this is what I found. This is earlier last year, I think it was like April or May, that the Texas State Board said, quote, additionally, the Texas State Board of Dental Examiners has received several questions related to teledentistry. Dentists in Texas are not authorized to practice teledentistry because of established legal requirements, such as Rule 108.8C2C, which requires quote, documentation of the findings of a tactile and visual examination of the soft yes. and hard tissues of the oral cavity. And quote, remember, teledentistry is regulated by state statute and board rule, yes. not associational recommendations. Please note, Texas currently does not have any rules that would permit teledentistry. Um, which is kind of crazy because like, can you not call in a prescription to a patient? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> Don't so the e-prescription kind of eliminated that, but um, you know, I actually remember reading that email and just going, okay, well, now this is something I'm definitely not going to do. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say though, one thing that I think you know, we can we can all sit here and talk about how great it is for patients and so forth, but dentists focus a lot on ROI, right? Like if I'm going to implement this, how is this going to be beneficial for my practice? Right? How am I going to financially benefit from this? And I think that's something that you have to lead with. Right? No dentist mm -hmm. is going to buy a CBCT if they're not going to reap the benefits of it, including charging other dentists to get a CBCT taken in their office. You know, so that's something that I think you have to kind of say the dentists focus a lot more on return on investment than anything else uh, when it comes to dentistry in general. Yeah, I, 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 I'm thinking in the future uh let, let's take let's consider the government is our friend and trusts us <laughs> to do our job which is way out there so let, let's take out laws uh, yes let's take out the cost let's because uh, i'm thinking in my head you, you, they have the da vinci robots in medicine right now where the surgeon is somewhere else and they right. remote in and the, the surgeon is just sitting on a computer guiding this robot to do the surgery and he has a support staff that's you know monitoring Tanking everything out. live yeah. in person doing everything right. they need to 
in dentistry, they have, I, I forget the name of it, but they, they have the robotic arm now that will place the implants. Oh, yeah. Right, the, yep. Mm-hmm. So you, you, somebody has to physically touch the arm so, it's, uh, so it works, but that level of technology is coming to dentistry. And I see if it was available, I see this is something Gary would do because he could just sit at home and not interact with anybody in a spacesuit and he could be completely <laughs> sterile and not worry about it. Uh, it would save all of our backs. Uh, the ergonomics would be good, but I'm, I'm thinking access to care in small towns in areas where there isn't a dentist for 50, a hundred miles, setting up a, a mobile clinic in a motor home, uh, at, they have mobile clinics out there now driving around, but having a support staff, if cost isn't an issue and you have something where you have a team that can get the records that you need, somebody that can anesthetize the patient, line them up and Gary's sitting at home and he's just doing root canal after root canal through virtually with a Da Vinci type robot. Uh, again, there, there's a lot of what ifs with, with cost, with government allowing us to do different things. Uh, but in an ideal world, I, I think that would be extremely beneficial to increase the access to care and when, when patients can't make that 50, 100 mile or more drive to, to see a provider. I would love to live in that world too, Kyle. So, yes, we have the future. <laughs> yeah, you're playing video games. So- I, I did want to ask, so like the future of dentistry, I think, um, I think there's, there's going to be more reimbursement for this from insurances and that it's not going to be like, you know, the term tele-dentistry is probably going to fade and it's just going to be like doing smart dentistry, you know, just doing dentistry. Um, but I wanted to ask, so Walter and Kyle, Walter, you worked at Aspen, mm-hmm. Kyle, you worked with Heartland. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know a lot about DSOs or corporate dentistry, but I would imagine that, you know, with, with the, the trend of like the commoditization of dentistry, mm-hmm. um, I could see, and correct me if I'm wrong, like wouldn't a DSO or corporate dentistry, you know, if they can attract more patients, um, adopting something like this. And then I think at that point, it's just going to be everybody else is kind of catching up to, you know, catch up with, with what, or patients are expecting is like, why well, you can't text your dentist or you can't like schedule a patient or an appointment online or, um, cause I, I bought a, a car recently. Um, and I don't know how much of this is COVID or how much of this is just like 2021. Um, but I did most of it like via text and, um, getting photos from the salesperson. Um, and you know, every website pretty much like have a little chat thing to pop up or you can you know, text the salesperson. Um, so that seems to be like the standard amongst buying cars. I just would have. And they have car vending. Ma- they have car vending machines now. The Carvana or something. You, yeah, Carvana. You, you and pick what you want boom. and you go pick it up at the, the vending machine. Yeah. I, I'm a dinosaur because there is no way I would ever buy a car that way. Well, you can, you can well, uh, with Carvana, you can actually test drive it for 24 hours. Well, I bought a car in Pennsylvania, and so this is like a two-hour drive. So I didn't want to go down there to look at the car yeah. and then come back. So I got everything okay, that I could. Again, yeah. kind of like tele-industry. Like, I still had to go there, but I got photos of it. Um, I asked, you know, 
details. She took me photos of like, it was a truck I was buying, so I wanted to know like the payload capacity, everything. Um, so I got as much as I could up front so that I knew that I wasn't going to waste a trip. Um, right. I, I will say that um, uh, DSOs will be big on, because they're very big on how do we bring as many patients in as possible? That's the key. They're big on, hey, how many, it's not even, it doesn't, it, sometimes it's not like, is this patient beneficial for productivity? It's just, we have a body in the, in the chair, you know? Yeah. So that's basically, I mean, they're gonna, I mean, they're gonna eat it up because it's more of like, oh, look, we're getting more patients. It may not be useful to the dentist, but they're getting more patients. And that's I, a, I currently work for two DSOs and when COVID hit, like if it was March 15th on March 20th, all, of DSOs were pushing teledentistry, mm-hmm. like like it was like they already had the platform, like they were just waiting for the day. They're like, oh, this is the day. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting. <laughs> like all of them were pushing teledentistry. Yeah, and they they have the uh, the people power to do it. Me as an independent mm-hmm. provider, I am busy. You know, six a.m. till six p.m. just doing regular dentistry and running the business to try and implement teledentistry, figure out which platform I want to use, how to incorporate it into my system and uh, figure out the whole, all the logistics of it. What happens when something goes wrong? That becomes a major issue with anything that I implement with DSOs. Look at their call centers. They, they have, you know, you can call a DSO 24 seven and somebody's always going to answer that, that phone call. Uh, They're accounting the, they have an accounting department. They have a, an insurance department. They have all kind of different areas that they have that support already built in, so they can incorporate these things and make it uh, a very efficient thing to implement. Where, if there's software that is trying to be developed for the independent practitioner, it has to have that same amount of ease of implementing something where it's not taking a lot of time out of my life or my schedule to, to manage what is going on with it. Right, and that's what I was saying about how we could just inco- basically uh, automatically transport everything that we do into the patient's you know, uh, schedule or into the patient's chart without having to double click or write another note or anything like that at all. I think you mentioned call centers too. Like- yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's only a matter of time before, especially insurances are reimbursing for this, where you have a call center of like dentists where, you know, multiple offices, they're able to to do some of these limited exams or triaging and then, you know, put that patient right into the schedule of, you know, the local office. Um, but yeah, interesting to hear your guys' thoughts because I don't have you know, that experience with DSOs or corporate dentistry. I have a, a quick question that's off topic. CDC. Do they know what they're doing or do they not know what they're doing? What? <laughs> the CDC. That has nothing to do with teledentistry, Gary. Literally absolutely nothing to do with teledentistry. I just said it was off topic. No, it was, it was completely off topic. It has nothing to do with teledentistry at all. I prefaced. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to transition that into the, the next podcast. Can we, t- can we do we that, go. Gary? Yes, we can do that. Let's do that. Okay. I apologize. Is, is, is there anything that you didn't cover that you wanted to, Gabe? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that I think this is going to be, yeah, just become what dentistry is. Um, and I think some people may be playing catch up, especially depending on when DSOs, corporate dentistry 
kind of catches on. Um, and I think there's going to be like more innovative uses too, where, you know, instead of maybe taking your own call, if you can use a service, you know, there's obviously services already out there. Um, but I think I'd feel a little more comfortable using a service if I knew that they were going to get a, a photo of what's going on um, and be able to manage it that way. And then I, I, I would also get that record, you know, when I came back in Monday. Um, I think something like second opinions too, um, like I think that would really shake up dentistry if now, I don't know about you guys, but like I've multiple family members have um, reached out to me or friends and say, hey, I just went to a new dentist. I'm told I need all these restorations. Like I got the x-rays and I look at them and more often than not, I'm like, I hey, should probably find a, a, a new, new dentist. Um, but I mean, if there is that, again, it kind of goes in, you know, plays into the commoditization of, of dentistry. Um, but in some ways that, you know, I think if, if you can empower patients, you know, I think that has some power to reform dentistry so that, you know, people are, are more informed and, and those that are doing good treatment, ethical treatment, um, are going to kind of rise to the top too. So, so I think there's a lot of, uh, interesting ways that it's going to be used uh, in the future. Well, thank you so much for, for coming yeah. on the show and educating everybody about what the possibilities are. And like mm-hmm. we said earlier, congratulations for changing Gary's mind on something that, <laughs> that that's never been done before. So, not on so here anyway. I have an off topic question for Gary. So when you're at the grocery store, like why, why don't you just wear <laughs> multiple gloves on top? So that's a good question. That's, that's a good a question. Great because, idea. Because uh, I wear medium gloves, right? Okay. And uh-huh. the medium, like really my hand is like in between a medium and a large. Okay. Right. But I only buy medium gloves. So if I had multiple gloves on, they probably won't fit and they might rip. So then you're like, you I'm just wasting the glove. Buy a box of large though, like a couple mediums, then a couple larges. Well, oh. see, I don't like the large. I, I could do that, but I don't like the large because it's slightly too big, and then I don't get the. Um, but if that's like the fourth, like the or fifth one, it'll fit perfectly. True, but the other thing is that. <laughs> We're so, trying to solve like, your problem, Gary. But see, like the 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 fourth and fifth glove, those are just extra, you know, because really I can do everything with like three gloves. But you said five. On the I bring five in case I rip a glove or I'm unable to put another, <laughs> the same glove back on. Gabe, do you see how crazy he is? <laughs> well, it's funny because I was, I don't know if it's this podcast or another one, but up until like probably two or three weeks ago, I was wiping down my groceries too. And it was like a kind of a momentous point where I'm like, okay, Kindred I'm spirits. Move on from this, this <laughs> stage of, of COVID. Because for the last little while, I was like, you know, it's, probably not doing anything to like change my risk level but it's not about also sort of like it was also kind of like an emotional like comfort blanket for me that it just made me feel better even though it wasn't really doing anything uh but it just became too much so well well, no no gary comfort blanket it is it is it is but the comfort it's not it's not (laughs) initially yes you start doing it because of the covid but then you're like, look at all this dirt that's on here. True. So that's why I have continued to do it. It's and not about you, COVID. It's about like getting all the dirt. Hypochondriacs off. Gary, do, the, do the same thing. But then here's a question. Then you put it on, it put it in your in your uh, pantry and it collects dust because you haven't used it for like two weeks. What do you do with that? Why would you? 
buy a bunch of food that you're not going to use for two weeks. It's called a can. Canned food. They last for a long time. I mean, are you doomsday prepping? You, um, like, you I are. Know. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go with everything that's been going well, it's on. My dust. <laughs> it's my dust. <laughs> that's the difference. <laughs> It's my dust. Got you. It's my gonna, skin cells. It's my we're, hair. We're, we're gonna end on it. We're gonna end on Gary's dust. It's Gary's dust. That's a bit way better. Hey, Gabe, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yes, exactly. I learned a lot. I really learned a lot today. So that I was pretty too. cool. Yeah, thanks. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's a, it's a, it's a, all right. Yep. Yep. Cool. We're good. Yep, all right. Yep. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.